the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, Episode 6. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hey, Sandra. Good morning, Tammy. How are you? The day after she recovers. I am, if I feel otherworldly a little bit. I feel like, did that just happen? <laughs> I bet. You know, I ca- I'm really so glad that we're recording the day after because you know how the energy of something diminishes a little bit every day? Yeah. You know, even though you want to just hang on to it, like you want to just put it in a box and like carry it around, but it. It just does. As time goes on, the energy just diminishes a little bit. But um, so I'm glad we're just catching you on like day one after. I know. I got home last night around midnight. And um, for those of you listening who don't know what She Recovers is, it's a conference that was held in New York this weekend, a three-day event with uh, speakers, uh, Nikki Myers, Elena Brower, Glennon Doyle-Melton, Elizabeth Vargas, and it closed with... Marianne Williamson, and then there were breakouts. Oh, and you forgot Gabby Bernstein. Oh, I thought I said that. Okay, and, yeah, yeah, and um, Ann Dowsett Jr. was there. There was a um, Ann Dowsett Jr. Why did I say that? That's so weird. Johnston. I combined. <laughs> I am just a male celebrity's name with her name. That's all right. I think she'd forgive Dowsett you, Johnson, because me and her are like best friends now. So I okay, think, right. yeah, yeah, I think I think she'd forgive you. I'm just gonna speak for her now because I'm sure she'd okay, love good. that. Okay, uh, <laughs> So it was super empowering, super wonderful weekend. It was put on by. Uh, Don Nichols and Taryn Strong, and they are the creators and founders of She Recovers. So that's right. what that event is. So it was great. You were sorely missed, my dear. Thank you. But your, lamin- uh, your laminated self was there. We laminated your head, and we took you around and introduced you to people and gave you some photo ops. So I hope you yeah, hope you like that. Thank you so <laughs> much for that. I really had a good time there. <laughs> you did. <laughs> Do you see how much fun you were having in our room? You were like I our flat it. Stanley. You were flat I know. Sandra. I know. Flat Thank you fun. so much. That really, that meant, I mean, I had no expectations. But <laughs> every picture that you sent me was such a treat. Mm-hmm. It really was. I mean, you know, if I said that I wasn't a tad bit jealous, I mean, I would just be otherworldly, you know? <laughs> If I said that I didn't, you know, experience that emotion a bit, but I will say that, you know, I I mostly felt gratitude that I, you know, at the same table communing with those same people, even if I wasn't there in real life. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I've had some, 
I had some health issues that culminated into a, a trip to the ER, which, you know, I don't use the ER as my doctor usually. It's like my third trip ever to the ER in my life. And um, so I just really had to listen to my body. It was telling me, pull back, pull back, <laughs> pull yeah. back. Now is not the time. And it's frustrating, you know. It's it's hard to trust the path, even if you cannot understand the route at the moment. And um, but that's what I just try to keep telling myself. Um, so anyway, are you feeling I, better now? I'm feeling better. Yeah, I'm feeling better. The physical symptoms that I was experiencing are gone, so that's good. And then mentally, I feel tons better. I'm not crying incessantly. So that's, right. <laughs> that's good. Right. <laughs> because that was, that was rough. I mean, I, uh, you know, I, I think that as women, especially um, alcohol aided this part, you know, it, helped us just push through things, um, and not experience them. So it's not to say that I've never had these, um, you know, it, it kind of felt like a dark night of the soul, but I think it was hormonal as well. I mean, there was a biological element to it. And, um, but when I was drinking, I could push through those feelings, push through, you know, mm -hmm. shake it off. Let's go, you know, and, yeah. and, and now that that's not available, we just have to sit with it and, you know, but in, in pra practically, we can't just take to our beds for a week either, you know, especially those of us who are moms and, you know, if we, if you've got a career or a, a, a even a part-time job or even if your job is keeping the house going the yeah. your household going you can't just take to your bed for a week um but I felt like I could have <laughs> I really did right. your body was screaming I, at I you yeah yeah <laughs> so I'm glad to be on the other side of that and um I had some I had some professionals. I talked to some professional people and I'll, I'll, I'll refer back to this point when we talk about our three things in our toolbox. But I talked to someone, a coach that, um, really helped me just in 30 minutes of conversation. And, um, but I'll talk about her later. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, Good. that's it. That's it. Oh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad that you're feeling better, a little lighter and don't have those physical symptoms yeah mm. me too <laughs> yeah there's that, there that robert frost saying i think you and i were chatting about the best way out is always through right and it relates to I drinking mean, but it also yeah we, we doesn't feel like the best way <laughs> <laughs> what did I he know he has never experienced yeah exactly a period or a <laughs> Impermenopausal side effects, yeah. Cramping, if you could, that is such a light word to use from what I was feeling. It made you want to sit on a squat, just squat, really. I could just dug a hole and squatted in it for a week and 
That was the only thing that seemed to make me feel better. Yeah. Well, I am glad that you are on the mend. And I'm happy to talk to you today. And uh, we are going to talk today about blogging in recovery. So I'm really excited since I just got home from the conference and I met the sober blogger panel that was there. Every single woman that was on the panel, I got to chat with for a few minutes um, on the opening night. It was really just totally inspiring. These women are so strong and so brave and so honest and, you know, paving a way for a lot of us to kind of dip our toes safely from home uh, behind our computer screens into uh, the recovery world. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. we're not quite sure about, you know, what if that's for us or not, that world. Right, right. And, you know, and even the, the main um, speakers that were at She Recovers, because I got to watch it via a digital ticket that was gifted to me by yes. some, some very sweet friends of mine. <laughs> but, um, you know, even they all, I mean, that's where how we've connected probably to all of them. Of course, most of them have written books. Elizabeth Vargas is a, uh, an anchor person, um, but and then has also written a book. But the rest of them... Um, well, Marianne Williamson, I guess, is not so much of a, a blogger or, you know, but, but Glenn and Doyle Mel- Melton yeah. and, and Gabby Bernstein has a big media presence as well. And so mm-hmm. we've probably, most of us have connected with them through the internet yeah, and, and I, through their writing. For sure. I think Glennon, when I went to a, that writing conference that I talked about on Write Dobe three years ago. Uh, everyone kind of loved Glennon and, and had all these Glennon quotes and do you follow Glennon? Well, this is when I was still drinking. Um, so I, I, I got home from the conference and checked her out, saw that she was sober and was mm-hmm. like, nope, I'm not following that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> My interest was not peaked yet. <laughs> and right. that strong of a truth teller, I didn't want to hear that. Not yeah. yet. Not yet. You know, that would be revealed, but that would be, that was the first person that I'd read online, read her bio and read her bathroom floor moment and kind of went, "Mm, that's uncomfortable. I don't. Yeah. You weren't ready to see that at all. See, I saw it with, with curiosity and the only curiosity that I could, um, that only I could I could be curious um in the privacy of my own house and nobody could observe my curiosity you know what Mm -hmm. I mean yeah so so I could you know I could read her blog late at night while I was drinking and after everybody had gone to bed and um you know no one could observe that I was curious about her sobriety Mm -hmm. and actually I did enjoy her um blogging about motherhood as well and being pretty honest about that I I was refreshing but um so I have followed her for a while um but I you know I have to say too that if I had been at the conference I envisioned myself not going to see the speakers for whatever reason I mean I was going to have a booth so I thought I'd probably be tired and want to go check out in the room while the speakers were going on but um I I think also sometimes I feel like not that I don't have anything else to learn, you know, but sometimes I feel like I just don't, I don't need any more teachers right now. Like my dance cards full. Um, but I am so 
I was enjoyed each um, each speaker so much. I couldn't believe how incredible every one of their um, talks were. Yeah. And you know, not only were they just you know, so wise and they stayed on topic, you know, they, they really, um, brought, you know, every, every one of them touched on recovery and, you know, I loved that, but I love how they all brought a bit of a, you know, a, a wide angle lens to recovery and, you know, kind of presented it like, you know, okay, now you've worked on yourself. Now, what are you going to do? And, I think that that was so inspiring. Yeah, there. I mean, there was 500 women there, and they said, "Did y'all feel that there too?" You know what? I thought it was going to be a little overwhelming going into it, and kind of prepared myself, or was trying to prepare myself mentally for that overwhelm and how I was going to escape and how I was going to take a time out and do this, and I'm going to do some self care. But the place was so big and beautiful, the hotel that we were at, the Conrad, and. The, the 500 didn't feel like 500, if that makes sense. Like it was oh, yeah. spread out. It wasn't packed. There was empty chairs to the right and to the left. Um, so it didn't seem to, if you needed space, you could go to the right or the left of, um, you know, where the seating was. And it felt, it did not feel overwhelming. But 80% of the women there were suffering from, I believe they said, um, not suffering, that's the wrong word, um, had uh had suffered, maybe, yeah, probably. Alcohol mm-hmm. was was what they mm-hmm. had listed on their alcohol. And then I think, I'm going to get the statistics wrong. I'm like a blur today. But anxiety as well was like half the women there. And mm. so we were all, we're in it with our people. Right. <laughs> so if anybody was going to understand, you're like, I got to go. I got to take five mm-hmm. minutes. I got to go check out. This is too much. Everybody understood. And we talked about that a little bit with the ladies I was with. But um, so to hear them all speak, like you said, that, that wide, that wide angle lens was really nice. But then also the thread for me was just, I heard all the step work. I heard all of the, um, 12 step program lingo in their talks. Mm-hmm. I, I liked that they didn't have to keep naming it. Um, but I knew from listening to them that they had been in 12 step programs and that they had read the text or had read the big book or had, mm-hmm. and for some reason that brought me comfort because sometimes there is such a stigma with, um, the rooms of AA and 12 step that I, you kind of want to find your other person that says me too. Mm-hmm. And that is saying things out loud. And I think that, that for me, I, I felt a comfort that it wasn't so blatant, but I felt spoken to, I guess. And I felt okay with it all. all right. Yeah. And Glennon was on fire Friday night. Like she, mm-hmm. she, she that girl so knows how to, get, how to deliver a talk. She's hilarious. She's self-deprecating. Uh, and she just, she had so many wonderful things. I was furiously taking notes as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I felt like that was my one, um, you know, if I could say that there was one benefit to watching it from my desk is that I got to sit with my big notepad and pen and jot notes down. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she said a couple of things, uh, but the one that, that kind of, when she kicked it off, she just said like, I think that drinking or your rock bottom was kind of an eviction notice from your life, mm-hmm. you know, that you don't have to keep living that way. I, and that to get evicted from your life means to get invited to your life. So it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be like the end that was so uplifting and promising and kind of hopeful. 
And didn't yeah. Feel, you know, her whole thing was just empowering women and, her, and telling your truth. And uh, I think everyone in that room was just, you could have heard a pin drop. They just listened to every, they hung on every word that she said. It was really good. And um, there was another quote that she said that I really loved. And she said, like, when you get to the battle, all of the other warriors are there. Oh, I love that. Yep. You don't have, you're not ever alone, right? Yeah. And that was that room. 500 women. Yeah. And, yeah. And like the, the groups that we're in and how last episode we talked about creating community, all warriors, mm-hmm. all, all women trying to find their voice, their strength, um, their way. And be there with your hand outstretched to help yeah. another sister along. You know, yeah. I think that that's the, that's, that's a big, big part of it, yeah, right? When you recover yourself, right, you need to, yeah, extend that hand, help somebody else recover themselves, and not to do it to your detriment or to your, you know, to be a martyr, to be codependent, but to really genuinely, like, once you've started the healing, you can share that. I think that's right. what we're doing on the pod. That's what a lot of people are doing with their writing. Mm-hmm. Right. I was going to say, you know, not to sound like I'm, you know, the queen of humility, but I, um, that's one of the reasons why I started my site, especially my, um, in my, on my site, I have a tab that says meet the unruffled and, um, I feature stories of women that are makers or artists or writers, um, have some sort of creative pursuit and how that has aided them in their recovery. And, um, because I really, really thought that um, it was important to showcase, you know, what is possible creatively in sobriety and, you know, provide inspiration and ideas that are, that were different from my own. Um, And if the work was part of their livelihood too, you know, I'm all about promoting that, all about helping out another sister in her creative pursuits. And, um, that's, that's, you know, that's definitely, that was definitely an impetus for my entire side. I always knew that that would be a part of it. And, um, I want to continue growing that aspect of my, of my site. And, um, I'm always wanting to feature, uh, you know, I always want to talk about women on, on Instagram as well that are doing creative things in sobriety. Yeah. Now, on, on your Unruffled series, it are you interviewing them, or are they writing their stories and sending them in, or how, how do they do that if they're interested in, in contacting you and being a part of that? Well, originally, when I originally thought of the idea, I being, um, uh, like, I don't think I'm a control freak. I always think I'm not a control freak, but yet... <laughs> Well, but con- con- <laughs> creative control is kind of a thing, right? I know. When you have a concept for something, you want your yes, vision. I really wanted to photograph. I envisioned it as uh, me writing a story based on an interview. So not a not an actual transcript of an interview, but me writing a story about the person based on an interview that we that we did that we had and co- or a conversation that we had. And I wanted to photograph the, I say, 
I would say women, but I've also had men on, on my site now as well. So, um, the person, um, doing their thing, writing, making, creating whatever they were doing. And, um, I figured out really quickly that that wasn't really going to be possible if I wanted people to, if I wanted to take submissions. And so Cause you, that's yeah, a wider net, right? You, if you took exactly. submissions, it would be from all over the country or the world. Exactly. Or, yeah. exactly. Exactly. It just, yeah. I mean, it wasn't practical and I figured that out pretty quickly, but the first couple of ones I did put up, I photographed, um, the sub, the person and, um, and then we hung out for a bit and then I asked some questions, took notes, and then I basically kind of wrote my own story about them and mm-hmm. and used a lot of their own words. Um, but then since then, I've also had uh, um, people in recovery that consider themselves writers, writers that are, you know, writing that has, you know, helped save their ass as they're getting sober. And um, they've contributed uh, pieces on, you know, how that has helped them in their recovery. And um, yeah, you so, invited yeah, me, I, you invited me and, to write and, about my gratitude yeah. practice. Yep, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Helpful. And you submitted some photos. And so yeah, if uh, it's very, I don't have a I have a contact form on my site. And so if you are a creative person in recovery and you, you know, would like to have your, if you're out and you want to have your work featured on my site, I would love to feature you. And uh, I'll link all of your social media and your site and all of that to the end of the, of whatever you provide, you know, to, provide to me in writing or I write about you. I can, you know, do the writing if you are a maker per se. And, um, yeah, yeah. I'm always open to submissions. Yeah. I remember when I read your blog for the first time and I was like, Oh, I can't be, I can't do this cause I don't live near her. She'd have to photograph me. That's too bad. <laughs> too bad lady. I'm coming for I you. My rules. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I want to find a way around this. This is what I do. No, no, I was so happy when you asked me. I was like, I, "That's what I wanted," but I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I was eligible. Uh, but fi- so making doing that series, just like taking our own creative ideas and putting them on our blogs, and I mean, I'm inspired by so many, and that's what I wanted to chat a little bit. For me, there was a couple ladies. Uh, when I was writing, I, I've been writing a blog for about 10 years, um, eight years of it. I think, like, I think I've said before, like three people listened probably by accident and I mean, not listened, um, read it by accident, but I didn't promote it. I w- it caused me a great amount of distress to, to share my words, mostly because it wasn't the unedited version of my life. It was a very edited version of my life. Mm-hmm. So when I got sober, I decided to create my new blog with my name, not hiding behind any moniker, which is not a commentary on other people who have names like yours or anything. That's creative. I just, I felt like before I was hiding. So I needed to own that it was my writing for me. So it's just under my name, TammySolace.com. And I think my tagline is, I am a work in progress. And because I am. 
Mm-hmm. And But the ladies that I stumbled upon, there was a woman whose blog I read. I found an Instagram post of hers that said that she was five years sober. And that intrigued me. And so I went to her profile. And she's not a sober blogger, per se, but she did write about alcohol and being mm-hmm. sober. And she was so gracious. So I, I contacted her because I saw that she gave writing workshops and I definitely needed help with writing because I didn't feel secure about it. And she, at the time she wasn't leading a workshop or doing anything, an online course or anything. So I asked her about, you know, how long have you been writing about this? I, and I kind of, you know, again, you start searching things on the internet, right? You just go down this rabbit hole. And I found some old blogs that she wrote under a different name that she did write more about drinking. Anyhow, she was so gracious. She said she sent me every Google Doc she had ever written on oh wow on not drinking to help. And I, it was like a gift that I was. It was so unexpected. I didn't even know how to use Google Docs. And I was like, "How do you open these? What do you do?" And they were just all there. And it was such a beautiful gift. And then she kind of connected me with some other blogs which one of them was, uh, at the time, it was called Ivy League Insecurities. And it was by Aiden Donnelly Rowley. And now she has just reincarnated her site to be her name, Aiden Donnelly Rowley. And I got to meet her this weekend. And she's oh, written yeah. she's written like 250 posts on sobriety. Wow. But she wrote a series called A Year Without Wine. And she documented her year without wine every month. And I read, I devoured it. I just, I was super interested. Like, do people really do this? Can they do this? Can you live life without wine? How does she feel? And that really got me thinking. That that work really got me thinking. Now, when the year was over, she did go back to drinking and I felt a little deflated. I felt um, like, oh, okay, so maybe it couldn't be forever, which as you know, is good too, because we don't want to say it's forever. So I just, it got me going. It got everything kind of going in my mind. And so then I thought, well, when I quit, I was like, I'm going to do what she did. I'm going to write every month about how I feel. And that's what started me on writing my new blog for the last two years, a little over two years. Yeah. I love that. There's something about writing it while you're in it, right? Um, because, well, first of all, there's just no other way to translate that feeling. Um, I mean, you can look at things in retrospect, but it's a little bit different because it's resolved oftentimes. Um, and you can kind of wrap it up in a neat little bow. But when you're, uh, you know, writing it as you're in it, it's just, it's, it's more raw. Mm-hmm. It's more, a little more real. Um, because usually because you haven't resolved anything yet and, um, you're just kind of trying to write yourself right, you know? (laughs) And when you're reading someone's work, that's like that, that's really honest and raw and vulnerable. You get the me too, right? You get, you get the, there's someone else out there and, and you're kind of nodding your head while you're reading it. Me too. Right. She hasn't figured this out yet. (laughs) Right. So maybe I can just start. Yeah. And that for me was really, um, really powerful. So I couldn't follow her for a while because I would see things and, um, and know that she was off that journey, off that year without wine journey. Right. And it wasn't, a, it's not a 
commentary on her either. It's just for me, it was too scary to listen or to re- I keep saying listening. Like everybody does a podcast now, Sandra. I'm thinking everybody's <laughs> I'm listening to everyone. No, I, I, because when I read it, I feel like I'm, they're talking to me. Right. <laughs> so, right. I know. But, I know. But reading it and, um, it was too scary to think I had to well, stay it's the kinda course. Tri- it's kind of triggering, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's, I, yeah. Yes. You just feel, you feel a little, you feel triggered. I, I don't, I know I did. I, I would have a really hard time even in some, um, you know, sober groups that I was in, the recovery groups, uh, Facebook groups or whatever that I was in, if a person was experimenting with moderating or they were talking about relapse a lot, and this is when I was early, early in recovery, I had a hard time yeah. reading that. Yeah. Yeah. I had to kind of protect my, I had to stay the course and to, to kind of exactly. start thinking that like maybe I could, I could drink and maybe if I only did this for, which is kind of what happened for me. At seven yeah. months, I started questioning all of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My birthday was that couple days later, and I was like, oh, I want to drink on my birthday. I got this handled. I think other people do this successfully. I, I, you're just finding the excuses, you know? You're just yeah, kind of looking for Yeah, it puts a them. dent. Yeah, it puts a little dent in your resolve. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. And- but so helpful. I mean, really – if I hadn't read that stuff, nobody around me talked about sobriety. Mm-hmm. All my friends drink because I owned a wine bar. All my customers okay. became my friends. and Or most of my customers became my friends. And if they were drinking, I should be drinking, you know. And But they're not alcoholics. I am. And I'm okay with that word to describe it because it. I just drank alcoholically for right. sure. For sure. There's zero doubt for me that I, that I didn't drink alcoholically. I did. And that's me taking care of my side, like calling me what I am, what I think I am. That label doesn't have to define me, but it's, it's a, it's just is. Yeah. It just is. Uh, but I think through the communities that we've talked about, like an Instagram has been a huge, a huge part of that. So the woman that I talked about that I read about her five-year um, anniversary, she was celebrating sobriety. She was part of a campaign called I Choose Clean, hashtag I Choose Clean, that Holly Whitaker and Laura McCowan started. And I went down oh, that yeah. rabbit hole and discovered Laura's blog and Holly's blog. From a hashtag. From yeah, a hashtag. Right. I saw these women standing there with a piece of paper in front of them said, hashtag I choose clean. And then they told their story in the Instagram section, you know, like like they wrote their, what their deal was Mm -hmm. fascinated. I was hooked. (laughs) I thought, wow, these women are incredible. They are saying things that I can't believe they're putting out there into the world. Right. So brave. (laughs) So brave. And still I was not brave at that time. I just was the voyeur. I was the, you know, it piqued my interest. And once I found Lori and Lori, Laura and Holly's blogs, same thing. Laura's blog at the time was called I Fly at Night. And she was telling a lot of beautiful truths. And Holly's hip sobriety site, same thing. And I just started following those ladies, which led me to more people that they shared that influenced them. And I loved that kind of domino effect uh, of, of women who were recovering out loud, not ashamed and just being truth tellers. It was, it was, it was like nothing I had ever 
seen or known before. And that was really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I also, you know, I, I don't know if there was a specific blog actually that's coming to mind that I noticed from the very beginning, but there were, but there were many, you know, like they were all like, I would go down that same, I would fall down that same tunnel, you know, and it seemed like if I would find one, then another one would appear and, and, you know, there would be a link to another one. And, um, I listened to the bubble hour a lot as a podcast, um, a sobriety podcast that's been around for a while in early sobriety and um they they often would have bloggers on their site jean from the unpickled um is a host she wasn't a host in the very beginning of um the podcast but she later came on as a host and um she blogged about her sobriety from day one actually Mm. and so her her blog was a good good one to reference when I was in early sobriety. Um, uh, I got to meet her this weekend. Oh yeah. yeah. She was on that sober blogger panel and I think she's been writing for six years is what they said. I think since 2011, I think that's what they said. And uh, I had not read her work, so I have it here. Just I picked up all the cards from the bloggers that I wanted to investigate and she was just a beautiful human being. You can just tell just lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they, yeah, they also, oh shoot. I'm trying to remember. Never mind. I'm not gonna, (laughs) I'm, I'm going to stumble on my words, but they, they, some of the other hosts of that podcast also had blog one crafty mother. Thank you. That's, I was trying to remember the name of, um, Ellie's blog. Um, that was also, she, she, has a blog named One Crafty Mother. And um, that was also a blog that I used to look at a lot. And she had um, lots of stories uh, about early sobriety and um, about relapse. And um, I, I spent a lot of time on her blog in the, in the beginning of, beginnings of my recovery as well. What I find so helpful, oh, sorry, am I interrupting you? No, no, no. I was just going to say, I don't even, I I could keep expounding on that because there were just so many and I failed to like make a list, but I don't even think that's necessary. Um, but there were so many and now there's probably, you know, even in just the, the, uh, you know, two and three quarter years that I've been sober, um, there's so many more now. It's not hard to find at this point. And if you don't even go on that route, um, you can follow the hashtag route on Instagram. Yeah. There's, there's so many people writing about, about early sobriety now. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And that, and that following that thread, right? So, so when I found Laura and we started corresponding a little bit and I shared some art with her, mailed some art to her and we became friends through Instagram, which sounds kind of funny, but not now it doesn't, but at the time, you know, I was having a new tribe of quote unquote friends that I'd never met before, but that shared this common, um, this common thread, battle, struggle, um, mm-hmm. with alcohol. And that felt, 
I felt seen and heard in a way that I didn't feel in my everyday life. And that was like this little respite that was on this little square on your phone. And it felt foreign and I felt like maybe that shouldn't be the way and I questioned it. But in the end, like after this weekend and meeting so many beautiful women, so glad that that's available. So glad that we can support each other, even if it's just from my bed at night before I go to sleep and I'm leaving a comment on somebody's post that they that resonated with me. It mm-hmm. feels it feels doable too. Right. It doesn't feel like you had to get way out of your comfort zone to do it. And over time, right. that just builds builds you up. And, made, and it made me stronger to finally come out and talk about it and write about it myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but now, you know, on the flip side of that, though, you you can write about your sobriety. In fact, I recommend that you that anyone does it. I mean, I never want to tell anyone what they should do, but journaling totally saved my butt right. in the in the beginning. And I still go back and look at my, you know, week one, week two, week three, you know, week 12 journal writings because, um, gosh, I was just learning so much so fast about myself and about recovery and about, you know, being a person that was trying to navigate this world without alcohol and um, it, it just saved my butt. So I would recommend really anyone, it, no one has to ever read it. Yeah. But, you know, thankful for the people who put their writing out, put their writings out there. But, you know, don't feel compelled to put your writing out there. You can write it for yourself. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. Absolutely. I think when I was, I was talking a little bit earlier uh about, you know, the word alcoholic, and that's kind of a trigger for some people to say like, yeah, that's not me. But uh, Nikki Myers was at the conference this weekend. And I had heard her on a podcast on the since right now podcast. And she is the founder of yoga 12 step recovery, which is why 12 SR. She said a couple really beautiful things. And she just said that labels don't define me, they illuminate my path. And Mm -hmm. that just was like all the lights shining. I thought, yeah, they don't, they're words. And as a former, Mm -hmm. as a former legal secretary who has, you know, a dictionary that's highlighted next, sitting next to her on her desk at all times for the last 30 years, words were really important to me. And Mm -hmm. to hear, to to hear that this weekend and go, you know, sometimes I have to be careful when I'm writing because I don't want to offend anyone. And that's what I was doing for so many years being really careful, mm. being really careful. And I found like, I just did an interview with Holly Whitaker from hip sobriety. And I asked her about, um, you know, why she doesn't call herself an alcoholic. And I was a little nervous to do that because I know she feels strongly about it, that she doesn't think anyone is an alcoholic. But then I thought I want to ask her cause that's the question I want to know. Like why did, and she had such a beautiful, beautiful answer. Mm-hmm. And she has, she's taken over the term teetotaler. And started mm-hmm. this movement with that and having people are getting tattoos that look like element signs that say TT. Um, and rebranding addiction is kind of where she's going with it all. But telling her truth, telling, saying something that's unpopular, doing that on her blog where she can deposit those feelings and then women can take that and move on. 
great example to me to keep writing honestly and keep writing right that I don't want to be too careful and I do want to tell more of my truth so that that maybe that could help somebody yeah I mean it's such a personal experience Mm -hmm. even though you will resonate with other people's journeys and people will resonate with yours it's such a it's such a personal experience and you have to stay true to what feels right to you um you know and so whether that's yeah whether that I mean yes the words are important but whether that's you know calling yourself uh one thing and that resonates with you and another thing is you know it may not resonate with you a year from now you may be in a different place um but when you are writing down those thoughts consistently, it's it's interesting to go back and see where you were because your recovery is going to look a lot different. I mean, mine looks so different now than it did a, a year ago. Yeah. It looks so different now than a year ago. Yeah, it's um, you, because you recover, right? Right. You're, you're starting just compl- to recover. You're, invo- you're involving. You're evolving. Yeah. You're opening like a flower. Yeah. Whatever you, metaphor you want to use, but. Yeah. You start, you start, um, you forget because you might not need that tool anymore. You might not need, um, what you did in the beginning. Even this weekend, I'm around all of these women and normally, in uncomfortable situations, I have my journal in my purse and I just retreat to making marks in my journal. I'm there, but I'm kind of self-soothing. And I had to do that a little bit in Ann Dowsett Johnston's workshop because I just love her so much and I was feeling anxious and I'm sitting next to these awesome women to the right and to the left of me that I know through Instagram. And I got really nervous, so I had to start doing my tick marks in my journal. And I calmed down because, but that tool is, I don't use that as much as I used to. You know, I don't call upon it as often. I do it in the privacy of my own home now, and I meditate on it now. I use it for a different, a different reason. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of morphed and changed. It's still available to me. But yeah, in the beginning, I look at my journals from back then, and I, I was just blown away by all of the AA phrases that I didn't know were AA phrases. Oh, yeah. right, right. I was like, these people are so wise. <laughs> and then you look around or then you go to part, you go to different meetings and you see it's the same. There's the same. They all wow. think it's progress, not perfection. That's awesome. <laughs> right? But there's some things that I say. I have to say, though, there are some things that I say that I guess they're also AA slogans, quote unquote, but... They're also just, you know, like progress, not perfection is one of them. Yes. Guess that has AA has adopted that slogan as well. But, (laughs) but it's universal enough that, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily associate that with just being an AA slogan. No, no, no. I think the point of what I'm trying to say, I'm not making fun of it. It's like, it is universal. It is. I would go in those rooms and the reason I could hear those phrases is because it isn't just an AA thing. It is universal. I could take it outside the room. I'd heard things before, but it stuck. It helped you take a little nugget away. And I would write them down when people would say them and think about them. And then I'd go to another meeting, you know, two, three weeks later and hear the same thing. And I was like, oh, okay. 
these are thing these are themes. Mm-hmm. These are universal themes. Right. And that's what I heard in all of the speakers this weekend. I knew that it was all rooted or most of it was rooted in some type of AA philosophy, which I think Marianne Williamson, I think she was the one that said that um, you needed a, a spiritual context for suffering. And you could find that in lots of different ways. And some people find them in a 12-step program. Some people find them in a spiritual text. But mm-hmm. those phrases, when if they resonate and if they're true and if they're time-tested, that's what sticks. Mm-hmm. That's what remains. But I loved, yeah, I loved uh, <laughs> jotting all those down in my journal. I look at them now and I'm like, yep, those are still some of my favorite sayings, the ones that popped out to right, me. Right, right. And a lot of times I would take those sayings or, you know, things that I would hear, even things I would hear on podcasts, and then I would expound on them in my journal. I think I've talked about, too, that I walk or run with my phone and I'm listen- well, while I'm listening to a podcast and if you know, if I want to make my own notes about something that I've heard, I'll actually just, you know, type the notes onto my phone so that I can come home and then write about them more in my journal. Um, and, uh, which reminds me about, um, let's talk about writing prompts for a minute because that's, that's, um, that's a good way. If you just have a blank journal and you don't know where to start, um, writing prompts are a, a good way to get going and you can retrieve your own writing prompts. Like I just mentioned from things you hear in meetings or things you hear on a podcast or things you read about somebody else writing about on a blog that you like. Um, and then you can expound on those things in your own way. And so you writing prompts are always available to us, but I really like writing prompts in my writing class and a lot of creative writing classes. Uh, the teachers will often give you a writing prompt. Sometimes, um, a, 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 I was going to say a famous one, one that's well used as, um, as, you know, write your own obituary. That's mm. a, that's one that, that a lot of writing teachers use. I think I heard a podcast, um, not, or, or an interview with Cheryl Stray the other day and one of her, cause she's a creative writing teacher as well, part-time I think. And, um, one of her writing prompts is something about keys, like, uh, write about the, your keys on, on your key ring which is oh. kind of a cool, you know, right? Because you like could that. really, I know, you could really, really go to town on keys on, on a key ring, especially if you have like an old key ring. Yeah. That you, that. Yeah, that you no longer really use anymore, but you don't throw the keys away because they just might, you just might need it someday. Yeah. Um, my, friend, I, my friend, yeah, Angie, my friend, she's another creative redhead because you know how I have a thing for those. Angie Dilks, she's coming out in a few weeks. And she just wrote her own obituary this weekend. She uh-huh. leads a workshop called The Gritty and the Golden and Moments in Life. And she has you write your own obituary. And it's pretty mm-hmm. awesome. So yeah. she just wrote, wrote one on Friday. So her blog, just to shout it out, it's Angie Dilks. And her website is angidilkes.com. And she just writes, she's an incredible writer. And I met her a few years back and she wrote her obituary this weekend and it was just incredible. And if we all wrote our own obituaries of the, like the life we want to lead, 
you know, how people will remember us. It, it was just a great exercise. So yes, I firmly I know. with you on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's why a lot of, um, I think that's why a lot of creative writing teachers use it as a prompt because it really, <laughs> it really makes you, it, it, it not only makes you, you know, reflect and it certainly makes you condense your, your own memoir somewhat, but, um, you know, it's a good opportunity to get creative with your life and how you want to other people to see you. Yeah. I've never done it actually. I haven't I've never either. taken on the prompts. I'll be honest, but, but now that we're talking about it, maybe I will, but I heard, so I was telling you that I took a lot of notes from the speakers from the weekend of she recovers. And I wrote down a couple of lines from, um, from each of the speakers that I think would make good writing prompts. You want me to, I'm going to share. That's okay. So, um, Glennon, uh, Doyle Melton said, you don't get evicted from your life unless you're being invited to a truer one. Ah, that you have a better, um, version of that. (laughs) Oh, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that a good, that's a good writing prompt, right? I love it. Um, absolutely. Elena Brower said, I dare you to tell your heart to invade your mind. Yeah. I mean, I could go on for pages about that. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth Vargas said, uh, I drank to feel how other people looked. That was a big aha. Yes. I know. Right. I, have written about that lots already. And, and that's why I think I wrote that down because it resonated. So, I mean, she said it more succinctly, I think than I had ever said it, but that is, that pretty much describes 25 years of my life. Um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, um, Gabby Bernstein, she said so many, but, um, a couple of the ones, oh, she said, pray for creative opportunities to get closer to God. He will show up. I loved that. I love that too. I know. I know. And she also said, honor who you are today, which is, you know, giving ourselves a break. Yeah. And um, I could write, I could write hundreds of words about that as well. I think, I think after she said that I wrote down, cause I wrote that down, honor who you are today and compassionately lead yourself back to the light. Right. Like compassionately because yeah. I used sometimes when writing about recovery, it could be a little bit beating yourself up. That's what I did in the beginning. Cause that's how I felt or when mm-hmm. I was writing in my journal or when I was writing things down, like you're, you're in a dark place in the beginning, right? It feels uncomfortable. Uh huh. You feel like everything is new and it's hard and you're not doing yeah. like going to parties or socializing or everything's a trigger. Um, not everybody understands that, but to be compassionate towards yourself, that, that was, I think she used that a lot in her, in her talk about compassion and uh, yeah, honor who you yeah. are today. Yeah. I mean, I, I do it today. I do it now. I beat myself up now all the time. I always, always think that I should be somewhere else than where, uh, where, than where my feet are at the exact moment <laughs> that there are, than that they are at <laughs> always. And, um, so I really, really, really loved that. Um, 
I mean, I, I have so many writing prompts for my own journal, put it, put it that way for, you know, many weeks to come. Um, let me find a Marianne Williamson one I have, I wrote, oh, she said, if you desensitize yourself to your own suffering, you desensitize yourself to the suffering of others. That was so profound. So profound. I mean, I've always heard, you know, you can't selectively numb things, right? You can't, if you're numbing your heartache, you're also numbing your compassion, your, you know, your ability to have compassion. Um, you don't get to selectively numb things. And so I love how she said that if you, you know, if you're completely desensitized to your own suffering, it's hard to have compassion for other people who are suffering as well. Um, because we're just, you know, we're, we don't live in bubbles and God, her talk was just, she's such a futurist. That's why I like Marianne Williamson so much. She really, really takes out the wide angle lens and she really talks about the future a lot in action. And I really, I really loved her. I loved that whole, I loved her whole talk. She t- she also said, um, what was that? Uh, the suffering gives you X-ray vision into the suffering of others. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. I, I feel like that's so true in recovery, and that yes. that that's how we can relate, and that's how I could meet this wonderful lady on Friday night or Thursday night when we first got into the conference. Only knew her from Instagram. She came to our room, zero small talk. We got into it, you know, <laughs> just kind of let's get into the nitty gritty of what's going on with you while you're here. And there's something so beautiful just about that. Again, me too. You know that that person, we're all there for the same, if not the same exact reason, like this overall um, recovery from something. Mm -hmm. And it kind of, it unites everyone. And you can see that x-ray vision. You'd see it in everyone. I have to say, if I had gone to this conference when I was um, newly sober, I probably would have been crying through the whole entire thing. Oh, God. Right? I bet. Yeah. It was super powerful. All of those beautiful messages, all of the women, the, the feeling, the energy in the room, it was really palatable. And you could just... Palatable? No. Palpable. <laughs> palpable. Yes. We've all misused remember, words today. I remember I've only slept about 20 hours in <laughs> four it. days. In four Fine. days. That's all I got. Um, I'm just... Yeah. <laughs> No one's going to ask me to speak anywhere, by the way. No. (laughs) I'm not going to be on stage because I can't use my words. Um, But you could just feel it. You could feel it. But in early sobriety, I think it would have completely overwhelmed me. I was glad that I had a little over two years of sobriety under my belt. But what I came away with and what my friends who I chatted with at length and who were in our room, like, there's more work to be done. And there always will be. Right. And so to be able to come home with everything that I learned and all of these notes and all of these new books I want to read and dive into and work on my marriage and work on my grief and work on, you know, recovering myself a little bit more. That is what an, that is an invitation for Mm -hmm. sure, for Mm -hmm. sure. And Marianne Williamson said in her talk, are you really giving all you've got to this relationship? I wrote that down too. That was a good one. And I thought about all my different relationships and even with myself. I could write a novel about (laughs) that, all of that. And I thought, no, I'm not. 
Mm-mm. I'm no. not, I'm not through the steps and I'm on step 11 right now. And she referenced step 11, um, a couple of times in her talk mm-hmm. about, and step 11 is prayer and meditation, prayer and, and meditation. Yeah. And I'm resisting it. And this weekend that kept showing up for me in many different ways, talking about prayer and meditation. I got to talk with Elena Brower after she did her spoken word piece, the ritual of recovery. Which is so beautiful. So beautiful. I highly recommend everyone listen to that. And you can Google that and it's on YouTube. And she gave the I don't know when it's going to be available from She Recovers to See, but I know on Wanderlust you can you can see that. Mm-hmm. And, and listen to that. I think it's 13 minutes long. Um but I went to talk to her afterwards and tell her, you know, I listened to it every single morning for 30 days. I couldn't get all those words out before I started crying when I was talking to her. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I, like, I listened to it every day and then I just started crying and she just said, what's your name? Hold on. And she got me a card and gave me one of her cards. And I gave her one of my cards and she said, I'm going to email you something. And by six o'clock the next morning, she'd already emailed me a code to take a class with her for a week for on her complimentary. She sent it to me and another gal. Um, that's, a, that's to, um, let me, I'm going to get it right now just so I know what it's called. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm on her newsletter. It's called Cultivating Spiritual Intelligence. Oh, wow. And she sent me the code, and I'm going to go log in today. So there's another sign, another sign from the universe. Mm-hmm. like, And it's a week-long series of meditations. So step 11, talking to me, like, mm-hmm. maybe, I can, maybe I can drop in through this mm-hmm. because I'm having a hard time. And I heard so many wonderful things this weekend that could all, all the things that I wrote down, like could also be prayers. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a standard prayer. You know, my, mm-hmm. my sponsor has given me a prayer that says, um, instead of praying to God or saying something, she said, just say, help me hear what I need to hear. Help me share what I need to share. Mm-hmm. That can be your prayer. Yeah. And I was like, that can be a prayer. I'm just, mm-hmm. I want permission for so much. I want the rules. I want the. Oh yeah. There's no rules. Right. <laughs> you can write your own prayer. Well, yeah. and that's the thing too. You know, that's another thing that can come from, come from writing or journaling is yeah, you can write your own, write your own prayer, write your own meditation. I mean, thank goodness that Elena Brower writes and shares, um, her thoughts because they are so beautiful and so powerful. Um, but, but, and, and if you're, you know, you're stuck for sure, listen to somebody else, but you can also write your own, you can write your own prayer. You have, you have permission right, to do that. That's what we just talked about. Um, couple episodes ago is granting ourselves creative permission to mm-hmm. for me I always look at that as art like oh I you know I can make art with that but it's for everything in our lives we can grant ourselves permission yeah and I miss that message sometimes and that's why it's really wonderful to go to things like this and kind of hear that the other the other kind of miraculous part of the weekend for me was that we got a third roommate when I know that you couldn't go and our other roommate couldn't go because she was sick and I had never read the work of Becky Vollmer, mm-hmm. and her blog is youarenotstuck.com. And she writes and holds workshops. She's a yoga teacher, and her workshops are called Get Unstuck and Love Yourself Enough. And so I'm going to dive into her blog this week and um, see what that's all about. And I know from meeting her, she was really 
uh, transparent, strong, direct, and just her whole thing is about choice, that we all have choices. So you, cho- mm-hmm. you can choose your life and just think that you don't. So that's the same as permission to think that we don't have choices. We mm-hmm. have to do something. We have to stay stuck. We don't. So I'm very excited. Her and I chatted a lot about step um, 11 and um, a lot about things where I'm stuck. And it was just really powerful to have that, you know, we've got all the speakers, but then to go back to our room and just have these wonderful, really open conversations kind of cemented the weekend for me. That was just beautiful. I love that. That was, that was the part that I was, that I was a little sad. I was missing for sure. was all the, all the connections with all our sober sisters. Um, you know, just to sort of, we probably need to wrap up, but just to, um, talk about writing just a little bit more and maybe, maybe put a bow on it. Um, I've heard some, I hear sometimes on Instagram, like, um, or in other conversation circles, especially people that are in the beginnings of sobriety, like under a year, I hear, um, that, you know, that their, their creative passions have, you know, really left, like they had some before, you know, while they were drinking that kind of fueled it, they felt like, and, and now they feel like they've left because, you know, it's, when you're kind of in that sort of frenzied self-improvement mode, mm-hmm. um, you know, that feels a lot like work. <laughs> it doesn't feel mm-hmm. so much like passion and you almost feel like you don't have any energy left to, to give to any sort of creative pursuit or passion. Um, but I would suggest taking up a writing practice. I mean, I, I, you know, I just think, um, that, you know, those could be the baby steps to help you, you know, write your way out of this time. And, um, to use a quote from Hamilton, by the way, (laughs) of course, (laughs) I Um, I was wondering if that was going to work its way in. It did. All right, go. (laughs) But, um, that could be a way, you know, some, that could be some baby steps towards, you know, maybe starting to recultivate some of your other, um, creative passions that you can't seem to find the fire for any, anymore since, you know, you're in this sort of, sort of, um, intense part of, of recovery. I think it's, you- I think it's awesome. That's when I went to Ann Dowsett Johnston's, um, workshop this weekend. It was about writing your recovery. Mm, and so yeah. even if you don't want to write a book, you know, not everybody that yeah. was in there wants to write a book, but to write, yeah. write your recovery is a really powerful, um, a really powerful act. Mm-hmm. And I think she had talked about, there was a couple of things I did want to share. I know we got to wrap this up, but, um, I'll, I'll, I'll go quickly. She said that you need to kind of collect the raw material and unearth your life. So you're collecting old journals, photos, things to kind of help set the stage of, of your recovery, right? The things, some of why you drank or that's like what it was like, right? That's Mm -hmm. the, what it was like part. Totally. Yeah. And so she wanted you to also identify a pivotal childhood moment, um, where you felt that you can look back in retrospect and see like, Oh, that might be the reason I drank or that, Mm -hmm. that that's when things changed. So that was important. Uh, keep a notebook in your purse at all times. I always do. 
Yes. Uh, super important to just jot down those thoughts or feelings. But this was the part that I'm really excited about. And I know you have like a set of index cards that I, I'm really jealous of. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> to keep either post-it notes or index cards and create a narrative structure from your memories. So she said to write down all of these memories. Um, and when you write down, when they come to you, just jot them down on an index card or a post-it note. And when you lay all of these things out after you've kind of amassed quite a few, you're going to start to see themes in your life. Right. You are going to see, mm-hmm. you know, why, you know, missing that fifth grade talent show for me and not being Pat Benatar made me not try out for things anymore. Made right. me start thinking that I wasn't good enough or made me think that um, it was too scary. The fear took over. The, the band not coming made me think that no one was going to show up for me. I mean, something Mm -hmm. like that. You can just, you need to think about it some more, but you can put that down and then you put, lay it all out and you're going to have your narrative. And she said to really be a hunter gatherer with your past, Mm. really kind of approach it that way that you're, you're looking for some clues to your life. Mm -hmm. Um, and then she said to structure your inciting problem, which is like finding your rock bottom moment. Could be a couple, but try to find what that was. And that would be like 10% of your book if you were writing a book. But <clears throat> the other 80% is really the struggle to move forward. Mm-hmm. And, and what, has, right. what has been the backbone of your recovery? So you're writing down those moments, like in these early journal writings, it's all there. If you're doing that mm-hmm. in early recovery, you're going to have yeah. so much material to help you figure out yeah. your recovery. I mean, I was getting hit with an epiphany, like it seemed like every, you know, five minutes or something. It was almost like I was getting pinged in the head by, by, you know, rock, uh, hail's ice hail, an ice storm. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> it really felt like that. Like, oh my God, there's another one. I got to write this down. Yeah. And, and uh, this, I'll wrap this up because there's a few more, but she just said, this is how you're going to carve out your new life. Like this practice of doing that, looking at your life, um, your struggle, the backbone of your recovery, that is how you're going to carve out how you're going to move forward. So it's a, it, it doesn't have to be fast. You don't have to do this task fast, but you, you start writing it down, get it out mm-hmm. of you so that it doesn't keep, Yes, it's not stuck in your head. It'll also help you if you're doing the steps, it's going to help you with your fourth step uh, if you are doing the steps. Right. Um, who are the characters in your story? That's, that's um, an important one. But then the last part was how the t- last 10% of your book, if you're doing a book, was how to resolve your story. What is the resolution? You know, authenticity really matters and that you have to find your voice. And once you look at all of that, you can see the themes. I put that my themes were motherhood, um, being a faker. And I owned a wine bar was a big part of my drinking divorce. Anyhow, look at it all. It's not going to be fun to look at everything, but if you can just get down those thoughts out of your brain on a card to deal with another day, you know, at least deposit mm-hmm. it somewhere, um, oh, that, that could be sure. really powerful to help you uh, recover. And like you said, it could be a journal, it could be a blog, it could be however you're going to write. But I thought it was wonderful that she kind of laid it all out for us. I love that. Yeah. It gives you like an outline to follow. Yeah. Well, I, I think it. we're going... We probably should wrap it up, right? Yeah, I think so. Do you want to talk about the three things in your recovery slash creativity toolbox that you used? I do. I do. Recently? I'm going to share. Yeah, this weekend I used, I'll go first. Uh, The first thing is 
uh, it's called Box Rescue Remedy Spray. And it is a, a flower-based um, product. I'm, I'm just going to... It's B-A-C-H. So like Bach yeah. the composer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's homeopathic and it's a help support calm behavior in stressful situations. It claims, mm-hmm. um, it's ideal mm-hmm. for travel and for just when you're not feeling right. Uh, mm-hmm. so I do have to say that, that some other products have, um, some are alcohol free. Some of them have alcohol in it. Uh, a little spray that I carry has alcohol in it. But it's like two sprays under my tongue. It's not like a shot. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I use that, but I have also used the non-alcohol products. And even if it's a placebo effect, for me, it's just like I'm I'm taking a moment, a pause. It works. To put it under my tongue, collect myself. And Mm -hmm. last year when I was traveling in France, my friend turned me on to it. And it's been in my bag ever since. So Mm -hmm. that's my Yeah, those products have been around for a long time. I remember... um, I remember my first husband's son, who's like in his early twenties. I remember that those products were recommended. I want to say they were recommended when he was a kid too. And yeah, they've been around for a while. Tried and true. Yeah. And you, what's on your list? Um, Let's see. Well, my first one is I, I roamed around the library last, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. And um, I stumbled upon this Marianne Williamson book that I had never seen before. I, I've read, I've had a return to love for a long time. I've read it a couple of times, but um, this one is called The Law of Divine Compensation, and it's basically mm. um, so on work, money, and miracles. So it's a lot of the elements from a return to love, um, sort of applied to uh, work, money, and and miracles as opposed to like relationships and love. And, um, it's interesting. I'm only about halfway through. It's a, it's a, it's a tiny, it's a pretty book. It's tiny and it's pretty and it's, but it's kind of, it's dense and, um, it's really good. I've liked liking it so far. Yeah. I have not read any of her work, but I am raring to go. Now Now you're compelled. Yeah. I, yes. Uh, yes. So I'm glad you're sharing that. I'll add that to my little list here. Okay, what's right. your number two? Uh, number two was something um, I was texting with a friend before I left for the conference. I did a little, you know, you, I, I freak myself out a little bit before I go to things. And um, since I've quit coffee, my anxiety, my anxiety levels have dropped significantly, like by 80%. So I am not at the place I used to be, thank goodness. Uh, but I still forget the tools to use to calm me down when it hits. It's right. Like, it's like I forget. And a friend had texted me and told me, why don't you, um, you know, use essential oils. I am not comfortable to use those. I don't call on those. Like it takes me a while. I'm like, Oh, I should do this. I forget. It's not something that I use right away. So I, I did last week completely relieved my anxiety. I used them out throughout the weekend because Natalie kept offering them to me and mm-hmm. my friend that I was rooming with and really helped. Oh, nice. Really helped. So um, they were handing out essential oil um, rollers, and uh, Elena Brower gave out. Oh, Elena Brower did, right? Yeah, Yeah, she handed out these full-size, beautiful roller balls with oils in it to carry in your purse. And I just have to remember to use them. When I do, Mm -hmm. it's helpful. I don't know a lot about them. Um, I had a lot of contempt for oils and things that I wasn't familiar with, like we've talked about before. I I tend to not – I just have such contempt prior to investigation – for mm-hmm. things that I don't know about. 
Right. I've used oils for a really long time, like yeah. since college, but I never knew. Now there's just wealth of information on the internet um, that sort of, I always gravitated toward the, towards just the ones I liked, you know, and I would make my own little blends, you know, I'm a, mm -hmm. I'm a hippie. Um, <laughs> But I would always make my little blends for the bathtub and whatnot. But I always just gravitated towards the smells I liked, which are probably the smells that helped me. But I, I've only recently begun to look at what each one actually does or the direction it's supposed to take you or what each, you know, scent is supposed to help. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that and it's, you know beautiful internet that just gives us all this information. God's talking to us through the internet, right? Isn't that what Gabby Bernstein said? Yes, it's very true. <laughs> very true. Uh, okay, what's your second one? Okay, my second one, this is kind of silly. So I've talked about, you know, I run, I walk, I try to do yoga. I don't have a, I mean, I, I do some yoga at home periodically through the day. And that's mostly because I work at home and then my back will start killing me or, you know, my legs will start cramping up. And so I'll bust out some yoga moves. Um, I, I wish I was a better class taker. I'm not yet. I'm not quite there yet, but I was compelled to. So when you get, when you hit 40 and especially if you've had kids, I don't know about you, but I like, have gained this, just this weird sort of tube that sort of makes its way around my middle section. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. You know, it is, it's a new feature on my mm -hmm. body. Nice. And uh, I don't like it. I'm just going to put it out there. And it's not... It, completely for vanity reasons. Like it just doesn't feel like it belongs on my body, I guess, because it's not always been there. And, um, and I mean, I've got a butt, I got a butt and I've got thighs always have <laughs> fine with it. That's, that's a part of my look. That is definitely a part of my body, but this thing is not this little tube around my waist is not. And so I was drawn to buy a hula hoop the other day, like a big workout hula hoop, yeah. like a I love it. I have been hooping away in my house just, and I can only do it about, uh, maybe two minutes at a time, like not very long only because it's, I think I've got to toughen up my muscles around there because it's almost like, feels like it's kind of bruising me. Like it hurts so good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, I have a hula hoop now that I'm adding to my, my, um, you know, my my movement toolbox that is a subsection of my toolbox which is the movement toolbox so it's in there now um so two things quick <laughs> i won a hula hoop contest at a bar in 1998 um i forget who these nice sweet bar girls were that they were like representing some alcohol company uh -huh. and i thought i was so awesome i'm sure i but looked you really ridiculous. the longest or something yeah or, mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh -huh. so i'm putting in quotes air quotes i won um but probably because i was drunk and ridiculous um but the part the hula hoop that i resonate with now i'm not going to think about that part of it is that i hear that a lot in the rooms stay in your hula hoop so the metaphor oh, there nice. i've never heard that oh you haven't oh <laughs> a, girl in my, a girl in my 7 a.m meeting says it all the time stay in my hula hoop 
that's my side of the street, basically, is what she's saying. <laughs> when I stay Hulu. in my I'm hula hoop. Start keeping that now, yeah, especially because yeah. I have Hulu. <laughs> yeah, when I stay in my hula hoop, I am good. Visual now. Oh, so my hula hoop's big. I gotta say, <laughs> I can put a lot in there. <laughs> okay, what's your number three? My last one, and this is gonna sound very self-promoting, but I just realized we've gone through this whole entire podcast, and I did not talk about my Ray of Light series uh, very right. much. So I'm gonna go ahead and skip the, thir- the number three that I was gonna put on there. But on my blog. Yeah, you're coming, you're coming in and out a little bit. I'm not sure why. Oh, okay. Um, but the Ray of Light series is um, a series that I've started, and I'm posting every Friday for this whole entire calendar year. And I am featuring a woman who is recovering out loud and is shining bright, basically. I make a piece of artwork um, out, of their, out of their image and embellish it and do some mixed media work with it. Um, they're all going to be a little bit different. And I'm just, it tells their stories. It's interview series. Everyone is doing different um, recovery modalities. They share about that. They share about when they got sober, what what was the impetus for that. Um, so if you want to check that out uh, on my blog, I would love it. And if you are interested, if you have, um, I think like a year, I've only been saying like a year of continuous sobriety, or it doesn't even have to be continuous, but a year of sobriety, just so that you are sure that you want to be out with it that you right. want to share that with the world because sometimes yeah. in early sobriety you might think you want to and then later you might regret it so a year ish you can contact me on my blog I also have my sobriety milestone series which is where I wrote for the for 24 months my first two years of recovery every month I checked in and told you where I was at what tools I was using and just my reflections I think at the time how I was feeling um, they start off seven months I wasn't in the rooms of AA so it's kind of I was struggling and trying to figure it out on my own after that, I found Laura and Holly, like I've mentioned in the podcast. I started going AA, and that's when my recovery really blossomed was all of those people, places, and things, their blogs that helped me. So that's on my blog, TammySolace.com. That's a lot of Tammy right now. <laughs> <laughs> What's your number three? I love it, though. That's definitely – your blog is in my toolbox as well. So mm, Thank you. Um uh, okay, so my number three is going back to the very beginning. We were talking about my my health issues, and it's all hormonal related. And um, I've ha- found it a little difficult to um, search the internet for information, only because there's so much. Okay, and any anybody can write anything, and I am pretty vulnerable about it right now that, you know, like it's, it's too much, you know, like I, I believe everything I read, you know, I don't have a discerning bone yet at this point because I just don't have enough information about this whole perimenopausal part of my life that I'm in right now, apparently. Um, and so, uh, someone, a woman named Jolene Park and, um, she's a health She's a women's health recovery coach, among other things, I think, but that's one of the main things that she does. And her website is called uh, Healthy Discoveries, and we'll link it up in the show notes. But she, um, in one of our Facebook groups, was offering a 30-minute trial coaching call. Um, Now, don't. I'm not going to hold her that she's doing this for everyone all the time, but she was just offering this at the moment. And um, I took her up on it. And so we had a 30-minute uh, Skype call, and it was so helpful. She had 
she's armed with lots of good information if you have questions about um, you know, women's health. Um, she's a great resource. I think her, you know, regular coaching is pretty affordable. We get, we kind of talked about a plan for me. Um, I have a, uh, an appointment with a doctor coming up soon and she told me things that I should get specific things I should have tested. And then I'll probably come back and hire her for 30 days so that we can kind of unpack all the information that I get. Um, you know, my personal, um, blueprint and, um, and she just, she had lots of good, lots of good info, lots of good info. And she's, if you do a Skype call with her, you can see her just, you know, shelves of books that she's probably read them all behind her all about women's health. Plus she's tried a lot of things too. And she's, you know, in her forties. So she's just a, she's a really good source. Wonder, and she she's been on the home podcast, right? She's done yeah, interview. Yeah, she has. Uh huh. She has. So people yeah. can listen to her story on there as well. They get a little mm-hmm. more information about what she yep. does. And... I forgot about that. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we I think we've talked. Yeah. I hope people it. have learned a little something or found. I mean, we talked about a ton of resources. So yeah, we did, and we kind you know we we hopped around a little bit, but that, but the basis of it was, of course, you know, there was a lot to talk about with She Recovers, but that really ties into the whole, the whole writing aspect of, of sobriety. Yeah. And recovery. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of a nice meeting place to bring the online world into the real world. And it was really, it was, it was pretty magical. I'm sorry that you weren't physically there, but you were there. With me. I'm telling you, I felt it. Aww. I felt so much joy just coming, yeah, from the event and from the photos and the texts. And mm-hmm. it was, yeah, nothing like real life, I know, but it was yeah. really cool to experience from my from my cozy home and there will be a next time. That's right. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And like you said, God works through the internet. So until then, (laughs) just keep connecting that way. Yeah. All right. Well, have a really beautiful day. You too. Bye friend. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by NMMD. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designer Chris Aguirre. Thanks for listening.